Episode 113 of the Bevan James Isles Show. Permission to let yourself down. Take welcome along to episode 113 of the Bevan James Isle Show, the fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness so you can get all the benefits that go alongside it. I've got to say, I'm, I'm recording in a different space today. Normally, I have a, I've kind of a small office in our house, and I like my office. It's kind of this compact little room in our house, and I like my space, but it's a beautiful day today. Well, it's a funny day, I've got to be honest, because it's actually quite a cold day outside. But it's one of those days that if you're in a room with some windows and the sun's glaring through, it's it's actually quite nice. And today I actually am, I thought to myself, my office is a little bit cold, so I'm going to go into my, my dining room and record um, record this show from my dining room. And I've got to say, I'm, I'm very lucky I live in a beautiful home and I've got a beautiful view because I live on a hill. And uh, yeah, it's always, it's always kind of cool to be in this space to be able to look and see and you know, as I'm talking to you guys, so different space, but that doesn't mean it's going to be a different kind of show. Today's show, there's a couple of things I want to touch on, and um, some interesting things to talk about in today's show as well. And um, I suppose before before I get into the main gist of today's show, one thing I want to talk about is what is health. Hmm, what is health? I actually did an interview on another podcast yesterday, and I'll, I'll bring it up at the end of the show, and you so you guys can have a listen to it if you want to. And it was really cool. We just sat down, and it was interesting because often, I've got to be honest, when you interview, go onto other shows, and you interview, you, you tend to kind of tell stuff that you may have talked about before. So, you know, if you've listened to this show a lot, and then you listen to me in another podcast, there's a lot of crossover because it's a new audience and it's the same kind of subjects. But yesterday, while it was the same kind of Bevan stuff you're going to hear when you hear on the show, it was kind of different subjects that we had talked about. So it was kind of cool just to sit down and talk around, you know, for new group of people. But one thing that really, I had a cool experience yesterday that made me really think about what health is. And when, when if I were to say to you right now, what is health? Um, there's some really obvious answers that we think about. You know, there are so many kind of ways we can look at that. But some of the obvious ones is what is a healthy person is probably a better way of thinking about it. And there's definitely the, the kind of the physical way we can answer that question is that kind of, um, you know, that, that their their heart's in good condition, that they're probably not overweight um, and those types of things. So there's the kind of the physical answers and then there's the mental answers as well. And and yesterday I had one of my running groups complete a half marathon and it's a half marathon that we call Race Team Epic. Race Team Epic is designed to be extremely hard. So it's it's a program I put together a few years ago to over the winter months. Now most people when it comes to winter with exercise, particularly if you're into outdoor exercise, so gym goers, it, Although it's kind of the same because you find that the gym numbers drop over winter and they tend to pick up as we get closer to summer. So spring and summer it tends to pick up. But winter, particularly for people who train outside, often tends to be a period of time where people lose motivation and they lose consistency of training. Now one thing you know as a coach is if I want somebody to be successful in achieving long-term growth and big goals along the way, well, the number one thing they need is consistency in training. So if you turn up day in, day out for a long period of time, I guarantee you're going to get results. And this is something that goes not just to exercise. Like it's interesting, any area of your life where you've consistently done good behaviors for a long period of time, I guarantee that you've held good results in those areas and probably continue to grow in those areas. And to me, it's one of the most important things about growth is that kind of consistency of turning up and evolving the experience. And so when going back to this whole idea of winter, what we often find is that the winter months for people, again, particularly who train outside, but but maybe just in exercise in general, is it tends to be when we lose momentum and consistency with training. And so a few years ago, I thought to myself, I need to design a product that would help people get value out of the winter months. And and within that, there needs to be a few things. It needs to be challenging. So it, it kind of, you know, it needs to be, have a challenge to it that people would actually want to turn up on a cold, dark, wet and, and wintry morning, you know, what's going to be something that's going to make somebody get out of the bed on that day and turn up, not 
you know, turn over and go, yeah, bugger, I won't do the session today. So I'd need to have a little of motivation that would really work on that level. It also needed to achieve a training objective. So, you know, these people who are my running business, so it's obviously going to be running. And so we needed to have something that would add value to that time of the year. Now, most people in sport, we talk about A, B and C goals. So, you know, if you do a lot of racing and you think about the year in front of you, most athletes are going to think there's kind of a few events that I'm going to think about as my A goal. And, you know, you might have a few B goals and you might have some C goals. So you might say that to do the New York Marathon is going to be your A goal this year and and maybe the Christchurch Marathon as well. And then you might do a couple of half marathons for B goals. And then you might do a few local races where you're going to push the tempo a little bit as your C goals throughout the year. So, you know, we call this periodization. And so you kind of periodize the way you're going to train your year so that when you hit your A goals, you can really peak at that moment. Well, most people's A goals aren't going to come at the end of winter. So it's another reason why the motivation for training tends to drop away. So for a lot of people, winter doesn't have that carrot at the end of it that makes you really want to get out of the door for motivation. And also, the training objective is probably going to be different for that reason. Because most people, the A goal is going to be hit in summer, you know, maybe late summer, spring, maybe even kind of into autumn. So with this in mind, I designed a product called Race Team Epic. And it was a half marathon that it was designed to be really hard. And we sold it as that. We said, look, we're going to make this extremely hard. It's going to be cold. It's going to be dark. And the training is, is hard. And at the end of it, you're going to do a half marathon that is extremely challenging extremely extremely challenging and when we when we first started the product I kind of thought oh, we'll be interested to see if we can sell anyone because to, to sell this to anybody because well I'm selling has been really hard and most people want to kind of be guided through and safely hold through the experience but surprisingly to me it actually turned out to be quite popular and it's and we've been going for about five years now and it's been one of our most successful products is this race team epic people love it and They love it because it achieves two things. A, in the winter months when most people lack consistency, the program is the right motivation that they get out the door and they train. And it's partly because the race at the end of it is kind of so scary that you know you can't not turn up, that you have to turn up. There are other aspects as well, so like the group dynamic and all these other things that make the motivation important. But we, we look at like... And for this latest race team group, we had 90, 90% completion rate. Now, if you look at any fitness product out there in the market right now, not many would have uh, not many would have 90% completion rate. And, and like, so if you look at someone who joins a gym, no, no gym, or I don't think there would be few gyms out there that would have 90% of people consistently training to achieve their goals with it. And so it was a re, it's a really successful program. The other reason it's really successful is if we go back to that kind of the period of your year, for most people through winter, it's a really good time to get strong in your running. In your winter months, you don't necessarily want to be getting fast because you're going to be doing that as you get closer to your A races. So if your New York marathon's in your summer, then you want to be doing all your speed work, your really fast work, closer to the marathon so you can get a marathon PB. So in winter, you want to have a different objective to that time. So over winter, what you're going to look at, and you're going to say, well, what I could do is I could build a really strong body so that when it comes time when I'm going to move into more faster work my body is more conditioned and more prepared for the stress that I'm going to put under at this time and that was the whole purpose of race team epic and as I was saying before it's proven to be massively successful like uh, successful as in people love it but also successful as in it gets people to achieve the goal and it's ultimately you know you guys know I talk about this this is my objective as a fitness professional is do you help people change and when you get people to achieve the goal that they set out to do when they join your group well i'm kind of proud that this product does this so so yesterday we had the final run day and it's quite funny really because in the five years we've been doing the race every time we've had a race day the weather's been perfect so we run this race in late august which is still it's kind of the very last part of winter in new zealand so you know, you kind of think that we would, would have had a few bad weather days over the years of doing the program. But in the first four years we've done it, we've actually had perfect days. Like you couldn't have asked for a better day to do a race on. You know, it's still winter weather, but it's kind of warm winter weather, clear skies, not really windy, just kind of beautiful days. Well, on Friday night, yesterday, so today's Sunday when I'm recording this, on Friday night it was pouring with rain. And as I went to bed, I put a post on Facebook for the group just to say, look, just for, you know, the weather is what it's going to be. Don't let it distract you from the goal of the race. You know, just focus on what you can control. 
this is a challenge, it's called Epic, this is why you're here, embrace it, look forward to it. So I kind of left them with those thoughts as I went to bed. I got up in the morning, it had cleared a little bit, so the rain was more of a mist now, so it wasn't really pouring with rain, but it was still a little bit kind of drizzly. I got up and set up the course, and setting up the course is a big job because it's you know, 21 k's and it's up these hills and all the rest of it, and there's a segment of where I have to ride along this kind of rolling hills up the top of the, the Port Hills in Christchurch and as I'm riding along there because we couldn't get the car in a section I'm riding along and I can't see five metres in front of myself because I'm basically in clouds and it's kind of raining on me and uh, it was cold the wind was almost blowing me off my bike as I'm riding along the segment along the hill putting this cone out and I have to admit, for me, I love those moments. I'm thinking to myself, man, I just love that I'm out here riding my bike at this moment of the day because I feel alive. So you can kind of get an idea of the terrain, the challenge, and the weather these people had to face. So we get down and we start these groups off. And we, and we actually do it in a staggered start. So we let the slower people go first, the mid people go second, and then the faster people go third. So we like the idea of getting everyone to finish at this, around a similar time instead of having big gaps at the finish so everyone can support each other. So the slower people left at 6, and then the second bunch left at 6.30, and then the last bunch left at 7. And off they went into their run. Now, as, as a coach on race day, I don't coach. We do not coach our runners on race day. On race day, it's their journey to get through it. And um, so we got. I'm just at the finish line, just waiting for these people to come back. And it's it's kind of cool. It's a cool, comfy, fun atmosphere there. And, and then people start to come in, and people start to finish their run. And one thing we do in the in the race, and I think I may have talked about this on the podcast in the past before, is that we have a two medal system. So a medal that when you cross the finish line, you get a medal. Well, in this race, we have a two medal system, and the two medal system goes like this. First of all. If you can complete the race, you get a medal with a blue ribbon. And the blue ribbon represents you did the race. And, and that in itself is, an is, is a pretty cool achievement. But what we really want you to do is to do the whole race without walking. And to be honest, this race is so hard that there's segments of it where it's, it's not impossible, but you've really got to fight pretty hard to be able to run the whole thing. And so we do a blue medal, which is, hey, awesome, you've done the race, it's such a massive achievement. And then we have the red medal, and the red medal represents that you did not walk any of the race. And it's a big thing for runners, because again, right, we put in the 18Ks into a half marathon, which is a hilly half marathon. They, they basically run up 400 metres, run, you know, probably, there's probably 500 metres on the way up, they run straight down to the 18Ks into the race here, and then they run up like a very steep gradient for about a, for about a K and a half, and then they run down and they come home. So it, to get the red middle is a big achievement. And people come across the line, and, and you can see, you know, you know, you're giving out these medals, and it's quite a, a special moment. And, and it's one of those moments which is really appealing to watch. One thing I, I would always recommend anybody do is just go watch a race where someone's challenged themselves. And, you know, go, you know, like if you've got a local half marathon or a marathon or some cycling event, but some event where people have really challenged themselves. You see it when you see like in the in big elite sports like the Olympics, but even just your local area race. And watch the finish line of those races. And I tell you what, it's one of the best ways to be inspired with people. It's one of the reasons a lot of people will do a race is they'll go and watch somebody do a race and they see that moment of the finish line when people cross the finish line and they've done something that's so hard, but then they're hit with that moment with elation. And it's 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 just such an appealing thing to watch because they've 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 gone further than what they thought they possibly could. And they've, they've pushed through pain that they didn't think that they could. And, and, you know, in that moment where they wanted to give up, they didn't. They kept on going. And at that moment when they see the finish line, you see this flood of emotion take over. And yesterday there were tears and some people were just like joy. And it's just this mix of emotions. And it's it's really quite special. And to me, it's, it's a really appealing thing. And if we go back to where I started this conversation around, well, this whole idea of what is health, well, that's a really healthy moment in your life, isn't it? This moment of me overcome adversity and, and getting this, it's this really significant marker of crossing a finish line of something that's really hard, not just the race, but the 10 weeks leading up to it. And that release of great feelings you know that's that's a really healthy place to be and and to be honest that's kind of an obvious 
health benefit that, you know, if you were to said to me before yesterday, you know, why is this healthy for people? And I probably would have said, well, you know, to go overcome adversity and do something that's really challenging, get across that finish line. And like, I love this idea of those people who, when they cross that finish line, they get to own something of a higher self. They get to own that when they look in the mirror, they go, I'm the kind of person who pushes through. So that's an obvious benefit. But then yesterday was really interesting for me because, you know, I'm standing at the finish. I'm the guy who's cheering and clapping people along and giving them high fives and taking photos and kind of just pretty proud of them, racking up the crowd and all the rest of it. And I'm just seeing these moments and, and it's really cool. And as the runners started to come in, because this isn't a big event, this isn't 5,000 people, it's like pretty much about 80 people you know, a small group of people all doing the same thing. But as people started to cross the finish line, they they all hung around to support all the other runners coming in. And we've got mixed abilities. The fastest person was about maybe an hour 45, and the slowest person was probably closer to four hours. So there's a big mixed ability of the level of athlete we have doing this run. And as the, the people started to come in, they just started to gather, and they were they were really supportive and they were just watching the other runners come in so they'd had their moment their that finish line crossing moment but then they were they wanted to make sure that everyone else as they were coming across the finish line were having an awesome moment so they could give their energy back to make sure the next person had an awesome moment so as the time went on you know as you were getting waiting for the last few people to come in there's a big group of people who are literally just waiting around to support others and and I had a moment where I just kind of stepped out of the race situation. I was just looking at these people. And what I saw were people who had built these relationships through a healthy thing, through running in a group together. So this healthy activity in their life. And they built these relationships with these people that were really deep relationships. And to me, that that really represents what what is a healthy relationship. It's where you can see people just being themselves. You know, there's no, there's no trying to impress someone or no, it's it's a real raw moment, and I like that. It's it's I love this moment when you're really fatigued and you've overcome and you've had this really cool moment, and if anything, you're exposed, but in a really healthy way. You're exposed because you're just free to be you. And and I looked around, and these people were having genuine connections with people around them. And and they were laughing and they were sharing their experiences with each other, their story of their race. You know, it's one thing you see when people do events is they have these experiences that they share. And it's one of the coolest things is after the race, you, you kind of sit down and you share your experience of your day. And they're having these shared experiences and then they were laughing. And it was just this really awesome human connection happening of, of kind of like the highest level. And then, and then from there... another runner would come in because you know they weren't coming in you know every second it'd be kind of a few minutes between each runners and then all the attention just went into making sure that person felt amazing as they crossed the finish line and and I remember as some you know I went from watching these people just interact in ways that were really really human really powerful and then you know then someone would come around the corner would see them heading towards the finish line everyone would just bring their attention and just start cheering and clapping and you know making sure that the next person had a really awesome experience as they crossed the finish line and I remember thinking to myself this is health like this is health sure the finish line moment is health but also this real amazing human experience of supporting others of being connected with others of having shared experiences around growth like in that moment, those people represented what being healthy means. And and it was just one of those moments where sometimes we need to step outside of the box of what really being healthy is. Because, you know, like we live in a world where there's a lot of people who look healthy, but when you take it a few layers back, maybe they aren't actually that healthy or they have some areas of their life where they are lacking some real basic health you know, thing areas of their life. And to me, the experience yesterday really reinforced the need for those things like human connection, for satisfaction, to actually support other people. Like, it's healthy for you to support other people. And, and it was just one of those moments where I was really proud of what our business does, but also really reinforced of what my job is in this world. My job is to create sure, help people get move and help people um, get them, you know, the best physical results they can get because it's going to give them better lives. But it's also to create those moments as well. You know, to create genuine, amazing human experiences where people can just be themselves. And so as I talk about this with you right now, is 
what, how do you define health in your life? And, and the obvious answer may be, well, a weight on a scale or the fact that I can run 5Ks or something like that. But if you go to a deeper level, if you're really healthy, what does that mean? And what do you need more of in your life to make sure you're fulfilling that? Like in today's time poor world, a lot of us neglect relationship. And, and, and I re- what I mean by that is real relationship. Relationship where, like those guys yesterday as they're standing around just talking and, and just being really real with each other, is where you're just yourself. Not where you're trying to impress someone, not where you're worried about judgment, not where you're self-aware, where you're just yourself. Like how often are you having that in your life? And if you can think about what is health and, and really assess the different areas of what we consider health, how are you doing? Like how are you doing? And if there's an area that's pretty obvious you need to work on, maybe this is a good time for you to start thinking about that and, and putting time into that. And it was interesting, going back to the interview I did yesterday, you know, I was talking about how, and you guys would have heard me talk about this, but, you know, when I was 30, I woke up lonely and I realised I was a very successful man at doing things, but in doing things I'd neglected relationship. And uh, 10 years later, I'm now 40, 10 years later, I have really great relationships in my life where I'm free to be me. Now, I know I've kind of talked a lot about relationship here right now, but it's not just about that. It's also just about health in general. So where do you see yourself improving your health? And we've all got areas. And what can you do to make sure you're putting time and energy into that? Because ultimately, and and then maybe if I'm really going to challenge you, how do you help your world be more healthy? That's a big question, isn't it? Maybe I could do a podcast on that. How do you help your world be more healthy? And and obviously, I'm in a role. My job, my career, everything I do is about trying to make my world more healthy. And uh, so that's something I always think about. But, you know, everyone has a part to play. You have a part to play in the people in your lives. And if we can all realize that we, by caring for each other and trying to make everyone else's world healthy and our own world healthy, it's got to be good for the mess of our society. So just some thoughts there. Hopefully there's some stuff for you to think about within that. Um, yeah, it was, it, was a, uh, it was one of those moments where I felt most proud of the work we do. Like it really was. Like I, I love watching that finish line moment and I, and it, I get to see it often because of the, the business we have and it's so appealing to watch. But... But also just to turn around in that moment and just go, wow, how cool is this? That's pretty cool. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. Before I get into the main just of today's show, I just want to quickly talk about the patrons. Uh, if you want to become a patron of the show and you enjoy my work and you want to help me do more of this, you can go to bevanjamesos.com and there's a link on my Patreon page, on, on my website to my Patreon page. And what you do is just basically donate as much as you want to each time I release a show. So every time I release a show, you'll just give a little bit of your money to me and support me in what I'm doing. And I've got to say, my patrons, are, it's actually... Uh, Sometimes I wonder if I do the show if it wasn't for my patrons. And don't get me wrong, I love doing the show and it's something I really, really care about. But, you know, we all have so much time and the fact that the patrons support me and what I'm doing is a big part of why this show continues on. And this month I actually have a patron of, uh, a, well, someone I know very, very well, a girl called Sam Green. And Sam Green is a pretty special woman, actually. She's a very, very impressive woman. Um... For many reasons. Um, first of all, she re- in the last few years she realised she didn't have a life she loved, and she decided to totally shift it, and um, and now is living a life she loved. And and you know it's easier said than done. It's so many people living a life they don't love and desire that, but never actually take action. But Sam has done that, so it's pretty admirable. But also she's just someone who's got um, an amazing perspective on life. An amazing perspective on um, wanting to help people, to bring energy to people. That's a great energy. Um, she's very competent, very skilled. She actually she works for us, <laughs> so I know this for a fact. She's a great, great employee. Um, so yeah, so the fact that one of my employees wants to contribute to the show that actually means quite a lot. So, um, but someone who I just have a huge amount of respect for, someone who you kind of say, "Can you do this?" and you always know it's going to be done to the highest standard. But also, more importantly, someone who just cares about people, and it's a pretty powerful thing. Now, now, Sam, if you ever hang around with Sam, you're gonna know that she's she's a bit of a laugh, and and she likes making lots of jokes. But she she loves you'll be talking to her, and she has dances. She dances. You're just literally talking to Sam, and suddenly she's dancing, and she's got this dance. And the only way I could think of it is squiggly wiggly arms, because the arms it's almost like she's doing uh, like spirit fingers to the side and they're kind of and she moves her shoulders and it's almost almost octopus like now i'm not gonna call you octopus i'm gonna 
calling to call you Sam Squiggly Wiggly Arms Green. And you know why I'm calling you the Sam, because that dance, there's definitely some Squiggly Wiggly Arms happening. And it's, she's just one of those people who just has to move that body. And I think it's just a really beautiful thing because it just shows there's an energy that comes out of her. So Sam is definitely someone who has a big impact on her world and an inspiration to many people. So thank, thank, thanks for becoming a patron. So Sam Squiggly Wiggly Arms Green. Um, some of the other patrons of the show include, let me come across here. I'm just going to make sure I've got the right people here. Yes. I'm going to say Phoebe the Stark Sanders, Michael the Hammer Noak. We've got Renee the Hawk Hawes. We've got Michael Hardcore Okay. Michael, I haven't seen you in a while. Hopefully you're back at the gym soon. And then lastly, Samuel Molino Weaver, Mysterious Man. These guys are patrons of the show. If you want to be a patron of the show, just go to bevanjamesisles.com. And uh, it's all pretty obvious on the page. And yeah, thanks for your time. And thanks for the patrons. And that's about it for now. Let's get into the main gist of today's show. Last Thursday, I, I caught up with a friend of mine on Skype overseas, and um, this person is a friend of mine um, who's a Les Mills instructor. Uh, you know, again, if you listen to the show for a long time, I have to say that if you've listened to the show for a long time, uh, you know, because you never know who's new and who has listened to a long time. And so, but anyway, um, this person is a Les Mills instructor, and and I was talking to them about a, a moment in their career which is really important to them. So maybe I'll give a little bit of context first. So first of all, um, for Les Mills, there's kind of these levels of success, and the first level of success is to become a, a group fitness instructor. So that's to teach a pump class in your local area at your local gym. That's kind of the first goal that lots of people are going to get when they get in their career. And then after a while, if they become uh, successful, they might go upskill their training. So they have things like AIM, which is advanced instructor modules, and there's kind of criteria you get around that. And then the next year will probably be a local presenter in your local area, um, which means that you, when when they release new material, every three months they release new material, you get to go around in your area and, and represent the company at a higher level, kind of saying, here's a new material, and you know you are somebody who should be up there teaching other instructors how to be teaching this material. And then they have like a trainer, which is teaching instructors how to, how to teach. And then they have like DVD presenters, um, which are kind of the highest level and choreographers and so and this person was a was a local instructor who recently got the opportunity to go in to become a local presenter so what that meant was that when the latest release come out they were going to be getting up on stage and teaching to mainly all the other instructors in the area the latest release so it's, it's a big thing you know to become a local presenter um, it means you know you're, you're doing really well in your career, and it's a pretty exciting opportunity. And it was this person's first time to present as a local presenter, so it was pretty exciting moment for them. And um, you, you know, the, with that in mind, they determined to themselves that they needed to practice like crazy to make sure that they were awesome. You know, they needed to make sure that they were 100% the best version of themselves when they got the opportunity to jump up on stage. And so for the next day, they, you get the material like a month before. So for the month leading up to that time, they were going to be, they, they, they practiced like crazy. You know, they did, you know, you know how sometimes you have a goal that makes you do more than what you'd normally do? You know, you have a goal that, you know, sure, you may normally do like, you know, let's say you 10 hours work towards something, but this goal makes you do 15 hours work. And it's not just that 15 hours, that 15 hours, even better quality work because that goal is so important. Well, for this person, the goal of being a presenter or the, the chance to be the presenter meant that much to them that they worked their butt off to be unbelievable when they when they got up on stage on that day, and one of the things that really motivated them to do that was not just the opportunity, the opportunity to be a presenter, but the opportunity to teach with the people they were going to be teaching with, because the people they were going to be teaching with had have reached the highest level within Les Mills. These people have done, you know, if we go back to that scale of you know instructor, presenter, trainer, DVD presenter, and so on, you know, the people they were going to present with were of if they had done it all. And so in their mind, it was like they were meeting, they were getting the opportunity to play basketball with LeBron James. You know, the, the, in their mind, they were going to go along and they were going to get up on stage and, you know, they were picking up the basketball and they're going to be shooting hoops with LeBron James in, in an important setting. Not just, you know, shooting hoops with LeBron James. They're going to be shooting hoops with LeBron James in a really important game in the NBA season. 
this in their mind that's what the experience is going to be. So if you were put in that situation and in, in, in an area of your life where it was really important to you, how do you, do you, do you think you do the prep? Well, well, hopefully you would, and that, and that's what this person did, and I was so motivated to do it because A, the opportunity to be a presenter, and B, the peers they were going to be around, and in some ways they kind of saw this as an opportunity for them to to learn from what they considered to be the greatest. You know, like if, if I get to play basketball with LeBron James in an important game, and I, and I love basketball and I'm good at it, which I'm not. <laughs> I'm not that good at basketball, but um, but if I do get that opportunity to play against LeBron James, I want to I want to learn from him. I want him to feed me to so I can go to another level in my basketball playing. And that's what this person saw this opportunity as. So, you know, the lead up to the day they're going to present, and it was on a Saturday, I think it was. So lead up to then, you can imagine the night before how they felt. They went to bed, probably a little bit nervous, probably woke up in the morning before they went to the gym and did all their prep and so on, and pretty excited about what they're going to experience that day. Well, they turn up to, to the gym to do, or to the, I'm not sure exactly where they presented, but they turn up to where they're going to present. It's often in big halls or um conference areas and stuff like that these, these classes can be pretty big so they turned up to um the area and pretty excited and they were meant to be meeting with the other two instructors they were presenting with again who are rock stars in the game at 7 30 to go over some just some last minute prep which for a class that was going to start like at 8 30 and they turn up and only one of the instructors was there and then the, the more experienced the more of the star of the two turned up late so got there at about maybe eight o'clock maybe these numbers aren't accurate but they kind of give you a guideline of what happened here so it turned up maybe half an hour before the class which really meant there was not much time to prep and then when they turned up they kind of said oh you know all that prep you know basically actually i need to give you a little more context here so when you're doing presenting you often we get a dvd that you can watch and often what you do when you're presenting is you'll copy all the good bits from the dvd and put them in the presentation and it's a good way especially when you're teaching with people you don't normally teach with to make sure everyone's standardized and it makes it really simple well when so that my friend had done all that prep work so they knew every bit of the dvd 100 percent well when the more experience turned up late person turned up late they kind of said oh you know this bit here on the video let's not worry about that let's make this bit easier you know and these things here which you need to do over there uh, you know I'll just do that but you guys don't worry about that bit at all and they went and they taught the class and the class was fine there was you know there was nothing wrong with the class but the experience ultimately was disappointing for my friend because my friend was hoping to be playing with basketball with him you know with LeBron James and to, to LeBron James to be fighting for the win but in this moment, she turned up and LeBron James was trying to be subbed off. And the experience that she had was a bit of a letdown. You know, this moment that she worked so hard for, put so much time and effort into, suddenly in that moment, it was a bit of a letdown. And she walked away from it and ultimately just a bit disappointed. And so we were talking, we were just having a chat about it, and, and in some ways I, was, I, I kind of challenged him and I said, look, you know, maybe you need to say something to the advanced person because... Uh, they probably let themselves down a little bit. And often, the, one of the downfalls in life, if you're really good at something, is often people don't tell you. You know, they don't tell you because they they want you to they want you to be impressed by them. Or, you know, it's, it's fun, something I've found in life. In the areas where I'm any high level, often you do not get feedback that tells you when you're not great. And the sad thing is, is that that's not good because I need to hear that stuff. But obviously, you know, the, the newer person to the the new level was not going to maybe say that. So I was kind of talking about that. But then as we were talking, I was thinking about one thing. I was, and and, I, and, and I, I stopped and I thought to my friend, I said, look, one thing I think you've got to take away from this is that you can't let that experience allow you to diminish your own standards. You can't let that experience allow you to diminish your own standards. Now let me explain what I mean by this. So I'm going to use the basketball analogy because I think it's a good one to work here. So let's say you have turned up knowing you can play with LeBron James and you're, you're very excited. So you, you practice like you've never practiced before. And because the motivation of that experience is so high that you feel you need to, and that's what my friend went through, that the opportunity to present and presenting with high-level people. So you get to play an NBA game and you're playing for LeBron James. So you do the work. Now in that moment, you find a higher level of self. Like my friend would have found a higher level of instruction because they, they, 
because they put more work in and because they put more work in a way that they really cared about so they 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 went to a standard of themselves that was greater than what they'd ever experienced before but then you turn up to the game LeBron James doesn't really care about the game he wants to be subbed off he's not really caring and the thing that I wanted my friend to understand was that by their peer who was a role model to them turning up and really not doing it to the standard that the peer probably knew they should do they were giving my friend permission to drop their own standards they were giving my friend the permission to drop their own standards what the peer the role model I'll call the person the role model what the role model was doing was saying this actually isn't that important and instead of being a hundred percent on your game 70 percent is good enough it's quite dangerous when you think about it isn't it you know the, the role model was saying look you don't actually need to be that detailed. You don't need to worry about this. You don't need to worry. 70% is good enough. It's all we need to do. And it's a really dangerous precedent for my, my friend to experience because ultimately, if they want to be the best version of themselves, they need to be able to sit in a place where they can deliver, that, 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 that they have these standards that tell them they need to do that level of work. Now, if we flip this on its, on its head, and let's say the role model was an absolute legend and turned up, prepped, turned up on time, knew them stuff, kind of expected a bit more out of my friend, you know, I was like, yep, you're doing really well, actually here's where I see some improvement, then what would have happened was my friend's standards would have been maintained and they would have been evolved. But unfortunately, because their role model turned up and was lesser than they had hoped, my friend could have walked away with this experience of going, I don't actually need to be my highest level when it comes to me trying to grow in my career. Now that's a really damaging thing, isn't it? It's a really damaging moment because the role model gave the my friend permission to be a less version of themselves. Now, there's lots of implications for this, isn't there? Some of the really obvious implications are, well, my friend doesn't do the prep properly next time and then someone who really cares comes along, maybe the manager turns up and thinks, oh, this person's a bit crap because they didn't do the prep. So there's a kind of opportunity loss that come with that. But but to me, the main thing is, is that by the person, the role model giving permission not to be the highest level, my friend loses the opportunity, or at least if they buy into that, they lose the opportunity for growth and development. Because next time they turn up to present, what are they going to think? And will they do that 15 hours work instead of 10 because they really care? And if they don't do that 10 hours or 15 hours, what won't they get? They won't get a higher level self. They won't care about themselves. They, they won't get the satisfaction of knowing they've given everything that they've got. You know, like often that's, that's all you need is just to deep down know you gave it everything. You know, and, and sure you can improve and evolve, but in the moment to go, you know what, I gave it everything, it's the best that I can do. And it was just a really interesting moment. And so my message to my friend was, know your standards. Know your standards. And your standards say that when I get these opportunities, I'm going to make sure I've done the best work that I can do when I get up on that stage. And what you need to be do is you need to defend yourself from people like the person who was meant to be a role model, although I doubt very much is now, to protect them from giving you permission to be lesser than what you want to be. And this is an interesting subject when we think about it as a whole, because if you think about your life, often people give us permission to drop our standards, don't they? You know, it's that kind of thing where, you know, you might not want to drink tonight, but you might go, oh, go on, I'm going to have a drink, and then suddenly you're like, oh, maybe I will. You know, it's those types of moments. And there's two ways to do this. There's two ways we look at this. There's the person who... Um, just as letting themselves down. And I've got to be honest, in the situation I'm talking about now, the role model let themselves down. And, I, and I, if you ask the role model when they first started, would they ever want to be that instructor? They probably would have said no, but now they are. And so either they need to really assess why they're doing what they're doing, or they need to grow and make sure they develop in other ways. Because they're actually losing the passion. They're not who they want to be. And so there's that aspect of it. But then there's the other one where the person in your life who is knows are lacking in an area, so they need to bring other people down. 
and uh, you know it's that person who maybe you know knows they can't control their eating so one way to feel more accepted about their own eating is to put the pressure on others to eat or, or drinking or you know to not do exercise and things like that it's kind of like I know my weakness but if other people have my weakness it's okay to have my weakness you know, there's these kind of people fighting against your standards, and it may not always be conscious. It's not that it's malicious, but it's just that it's happening. And this is a real kind of problem. My key point of today's talk is that, first of all, you need to know your standards. Like you do, you really need to know your standards. So you need to know your standards. And what I mean by that, and that's what I kind of talked to about with my friend, was this whole idea of, well, who do you want to be when you're a presenter? Like, who do you really want to be when when you're a presenter? And, and not just in this moment where it's new and exciting and important to you, but in five years from now, when you're presenting and you're the role model, who do you want those people underneath you to, what, what do you want them to experience of you? So what are the standards you're always going to try to maintain? And that's, an important, that's something for you to think about. You know, what are my standards? And you can look in the, the certain areas of your life. You know, like, what are my standards around exercise? What are my standards around nutrition? What are my standards around productivity, around um, relationships and all these different areas? So to really contemplate what are your standards is a, is a really important thing to understand. Because if you know this, then you also know when you're dropping your standards. So that's the first thing to really contemplate is what are my standards? And that's what I talked about again with my friend was that, you know, okay, well, what do you want to be as a presenter for Let's Mills? What does that mean for you? And what are those standards you're going to maintain? And that's, um, yeah, it's something really important to think about. And then the second thing to really think about is learning when your standards are dropping. So, my friend wants to be someone who makes sure they always do the prep. They want to make sure, like it's funny, even as I think of myself as an instructor, like every time I teach a class, I make sure I, I learn my material. Now, could I do the class without it? Yes. But if I don't, I know I'm not doing as good a job as I want to, so I'm dropping my standards. And it's as simple as that. You know, what are your standards? And so once you understand your standards, then you've got to start to learn when they're starting to slip. And if I use my own example, like again, every time I teach a class, I learn my material. And then occasionally, if I'm a little bit busy, I might go, you know what, just do some old school stuff. Now, admittedly, I don't do that much nowadays, but sometimes it happens. And you, I'll probably pull that off once every three months because it's quite fun to do something old school. But generally, it means I'm starting to get a little bit lazy on my standard for my class. So if I know I'm dropping that standard, why is that the case? And, you know, that's that thing you need to think about because if it's because you're just no longer loving it or maybe you need to move in a new direction or maybe it's that you just need to sharpen up and realign what you want to get out of the thing you're doing. But then the second or the third, I'm not sure if it's second or third, but the other thing I want you to think about is this whole idea of being defender of your standards from outside influence. And the example I've shared away today is the person who's let their own standards down, which is giving you permission to drop your standards. And that's a really interesting one that we often have to experience a lot in life, is that I go into something with my standards, someone around me drops their standards, and so I think, oh well, I might as well do it myself. Now, you may need to think about how you're going to maintain your standards because it might be hard sometimes. So if someone's going, oh, you know, I'm going to have this cake and you go, I'm not, and, you know, they might feel bad. But at the same time, you know, if you're sticking to your standards, it's not your job to protect people from feeling bad. I don't think it is. I really don't. So maybe it's not that applicable. But the other areas as well is when people are pressuring you to drop your standards because it makes them feel comfortable. And so really what you want to start to learn is when do I drop my standards? When am I partial to drop my standards? What are those influences that could make me drop my standards? And then what are my strategies and what are my ways through that to make sure that I don't? You know, so for my friend, I said, well, next time this happens, what are you going to make sure you do? And, you know, there might be ways that they can do that. that, that they could go, well, you know what, I practice really hard. Actually, I, I shared a really good example. I remember years ago, I was I was presenting for Les Mills, as, and I was in the role model situation. And admittedly, there was basically four of us role models and this new kid on the block who was, was really important to them. And, and some of the role models, like the, the story before, hadn't really done the prep and and I, I was kind of like maybe I was even one of them I probably was if I'm going to be fair and the, and the young person pulled us up the new person said look I've worked really hard for this this is a big thing for me and you guys are taking it for granted and, and to be honest it's a bit disappointing and it was we needed to hear that and you know that was a really great thing that person did and, and to be honest in the situation with my friend their role model needs to hear that 
they're letting themselves down. And so, you know, you may say something, but also what are the other ways that you can make sure you maintain your standards? Because when we maintain our standards, what's the benefit of that in your life? Like when you're maintaining the bits, you know, the things you do to the levels that you know you need to do them to, it's a pretty powerful thing in your life, isn't it? And then when you start to drop your standards, it's often when we start to drop our standards is when we start to feel we're losing ourselves. Or that we're losing the passion. And so actually consciously knowing that my standards are important to me and I'm going to maintain them is something that's kind of saying, I'm going to make sure I feel good about my life and I maintain them, you know, that good fear. I know how to maintain that in my life. So that's that's all that's the main gist of today's show. And, and I'll just do a quick recap. Really what we're looking at here is First of all, what are your standards? And if you're going to think about yourself, this is what you really want to think about is what are your standards? And look at different areas of your life. Like it's, you know, like, again, think of nutrition, think of exercise, think of work, think of family, think of how you approach a hobby. You know, what are the standards that you want to make sure you're doing? Then the second thing you want to think about is being aware of when you drop your standards. So on a personal level, when do you drop your own standards? And it's a really important thing to think about because staying in, it's kind of like earlier in the show when I was talking about consistency of training. If you sit in consistency of standards, your life is going to be better. And then also then start to think about what are the external influences that could affect my standards and, and learning when they can come up. And that the example of my friend in the role model, that they gave permission for my friend to drop their standards saying, you know what, when you do this you only need to be 70%. Actually, that's a dropping of their standards. And then lastly, what are the strategies that are going to help you through those times where outside influences could let you drop your standards? Now, what are the strategies you're going to use to make sure that you don't? Because like I was saying just 20 seconds ago, if you can be consistent with your standards, do you think you're going to lead a better life? But then more importantly, and, and I had an interesting experience with this lately, I've, I've started seeing a piano tutor again, and, and he's really good, and I'm really loving it, and he's got me doing theory work, and I don't, I, to be honest, over the time I'm doing my theory work, something I haven't really done that well, and um, I started doing some practice the other day, and doing my theory, and I was kind of just doing a first page, and it was quite good, and then I did the second page, and it was a little bit challenging for me, and I kind of tried to rush through it, and all the rest of it, and then I left, and I kind of, I could have just gone on to the next page, but that night when I went to bed, I thought to myself, I thought actually back to the Peter Brown interview I did, the, the one about learning, and you know, the whole point of learning is to gain understanding, and I realised that I need a higher standard when I learn my theory, that actually I've got to go and go, my standard is I need to get understanding, and if I haven't got understanding of the learning, what's the point in doing it? And so I really shifted my standard going, you know, today, actually after I do today's show, I'm going to jump on the piano, I'm going to do some theory work, and I thought, you know, that page which I found a bit harder, I'm going to take more time, I'm going to gain understanding, I'm going to do a quiz around it, and I'm not going to move on until I really totally understand that page 100%. Now that's a new standard for me. So it's your standards should evolve as well as you move forward. And for me, you know, if I live in this new standard, well, I'm going to be a higher level of myself because I'm going to go deeper understanding around the thing that I'm really passionate about in life, which is my music. And, you know, it's going to take me to a higher level. So with your standards as well, it's not just being consistent in maintaining them, but looking at how you can improve them. If you can understand your standards, if you can understand when you're letting them drop, and when the world is influencing them to make you drop, and you can actually remain consistent in staying them for a longer period of time, and even evolve them, do you think you're going to be a higher version of self? And to me, that's what this is all about. Aiming to just keep continually to grow in your life moving forward. And your standards are actually a really important part of that. So I'm going to wrap it up now because it's our role. And, and, and I, I kind of have to just do this. And by doing that, you're going to be that best version of yourself. I hopefully enjoyed that one. It was, a, it was yeah, I, I really, I really am I'm big on this one. And just that whole what are my standards thing. I'm, like I'm just thinking about my own piano playing right now. You know, it's, Getting a tutor is such an important thing. I, I, I do believe in mentors, and it's something I believe in but don't necessarily do enough of in my life. And going back to a tutor, finding the right mentor is really important, which is, is obviously really important. But for me, I found a really great piano tutor. I've got a great relationship with them. 
like everything about it's perfect I, I really see myself working for a long time with this person and um because the last one I had just they moved on unfortunately but but anyway um as I think about how I practice now, I'm even going, okay, that's what I need to prioritize when I practice. And so when I practice, that's the standard I need to maintain. And so it is that thing of by taking my, lifting the water of my standards, you know, bringing the tide higher in my standards, I'm definitely going to be a better piano player. You know, and piano is the thing, well, music is one of the things in my life that I really want to be good at. I, I put a lot of time and effort into it. And so if I can raise the bar of how I approach it and my standards around it, I'm, I'm definitely going to get better. Like it's, it's, there's no, there's no doubt about it. I will get better. Now, the, how better I can get, that's an interesting question. What I can do with it, that's an interesting question. But I can definitely get better. And so um, just good stuff for you to think about. Anyway, I, I'm, I'm, I've gone long. So I'm going to – I don't know if I have gone long. I've kind of, I'm in this different environment today. So I'm not quite sure. I'm not doing it on my normal computer. I'm doing it on my recording device. So hopefully you enjoyed today's show because there's some important stuff in there I, I really do think that it's, I love that idea of health I really do and I think that ultimately we want to be healthy people secondly I, I love this idea of knowing your standards and setting them so if you have any questions actually I think I did have a couple of questions this week but I'll, I'll leave it now because I'm going to wrap it up because I've got to go practice my piano theory and I'll come on to them in a couple of weeks from now but uh, if you do have any questions you can email me at Bevan James Isles I'll do my emails every day except for Friday so if you email on a Friday you won't get them on Friday and I always do them within 24 hours so you you know I will respond within 24 hours um, yeah and uh, rock on keep doing what you're doing if you want to do my 5k product my 5k dream you can go to my website sign up on there and you can get some more information about it it's a product that gets people from doing nothing to running 5k's and it's not just a program it's everything technique yoga um weekly meetings with me which are really teach you the lessons you need to learn everything you need to be successful strength circuits and so on everything you need to be successful running 5k's my 5k dream you can check that out at my website bevanjamesiles.com and i'll see you guys in a couple of weeks if, you, if anything if you enjoy the show go on to itunes just put put a you know some feedback about the show on it also stitcher anything like that just any of the kind of podcasting apps out there just spread the word and uh yeah don't be afraid to put it on social media and i'll see you in a couple of weeks time oh and if you want to be a patron Go to bevanjabsiles.com. Um, yeah, look forward to it. I'm heading into spring. Uh, hopefully winter's finished. And hopefully next time I'll be nice and warm when I record the next show. You know, I'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. You guys rock.